Did you know that midlife divorce is on the rise throughout the U.S.? Instead of making things work, midlife couples are calling it quits. 66% of baby boomers said that they would prefer to divorce in an unhappy marriage. The midlife divorce statistics support those numbers. Since the 1990s, the divorce rate of people aged 50 and older has doubled. No wonder that so many are now looking for love in a second marriage or a second relationship. And this is what our episode is all about. Not about divorce, but how to find love that actually sparks your interest, your love, and fulfills you in the second half of life. It will be a action-packed episode today with our guest Martha Bodyfeld, and you love every minute of it. Welcome to anybody listening to today's episode on the Pursue Your Spark podcast. Welcome and hello. Thank you so much for being here. This will be a very informative episode for you if you're looking for love or know of somebody who's looking for a new partner and relationship, but I can't wait to get into Have you heard about the Fasted and Fit Over 50 Jumpstart? There are seven essential lessons in this non-intimidating course teaching you simple intermittent fasting strategies combined with Pilates exercises ideal for someone starting out with intermittent fasting and Pilates exercises that can be done anywhere. The program is designed for empty nester moms over 50 to reclaim their health, feel stronger and leaner. Why not jumpstart your health today? The link to sign up will be in the show notes. Start celebrating the holidays and send some of that celebration in the Pactly Celebration Box. What is in the celebration box? 12 individually wrapped puffed ancient grain snacks, puffed amaranth, quinoa and millet combined with a little layer of white chocolate, milk chocolate, or bittersweet chocolate, and even dark chocolate for the dark chocolate lover. And depending what flavors you choose, there's a little sprinkle of blueberries, coconut nips, dried cranberries, and cashew, all gluten-free and organic. Puckley satisfies the chocolate and sweet tooth that you may encounter every now and again without big empty calories. So order your Puckley gift or celebration box for the holidays today by going to PuckleyFoods.com. That is P-A-K-T-L-I-F-O-O-D-S dot com. Enter Pursue Your Spark 15, all one word, to get a 15% discount of your order of a celebration box or individual packed puffly snacks. So let's jump into today's feature content. I'm Heike Yates, a fitness and nutrition coach with 30 years of experience. I empower empty nester moms over 50 to take back their health and strength to feel vibrant in their second half of life. Right now, you're joined by thousands of empty nester moms around the world who stop dimming their light and instead ignite their spark. On this podcast, I do what I do best taking complicated information about fitness, nutrition, and mindset strategies, and breaking it down into baby steps that are simple, actionable, and reliable, so you can implement them into your life. I regularly interview some of the most inspiring guests who share their honest stories on how they went from their worst to their best in life, so that you know you're not alone in your struggles. Join me as we redefine what aging looks and feels like by taking action and saying, yes, I can. This is the Pursue Your Spark 
Well, hi, everybody. I'm super excited for my guest or our guest today. Her name is Martha Bodyfeld. She is a dating and relationship coach for busy women over 50. Now, if you're over over 40, I should say, if you're over 50 and 60, you still apply for this episode. Uh, for those women who are ready to be in premium relationships full of sparks. Since 2016, she has professionally coached and mentored hundreds of women using her unique dating DNA framework, a powerful tool that shows women how to quickly get confident in their standards and effortlessly attract and keep the love they desire. Martha also serves as an expert contributor to the Huffington Post, the Elephant Journal, Psychology Today, and Thrive Global where her advice regularly impacts over 10 million women. Welcome to the show, Martha. Thank you, Heike. And hey, everybody, I'm really excited to be here and speak with you all about how to find love at midlife and beyond. Now, Martha, how would you describe yourself? Wow. So that's a really good question. I guess I would describe myself with what I do right now is I am, well, first of all, I guess I'm a Leo with a Scorpio rising. I am the third of four children in a close-knit family from rural America. Um, but the good stuff is that I am a dating coach. And while I used to be a divorce coach, I have pivoted to working with women at midlife. I love working with women who are over 40. And as someone who has has been divorced and who made all of the dating mistakes myself until I eventually found wonderful, healthy, exciting love. This is something that I, I love talking with my women about. I love talking about travel and cooking and dogs, but mainly how to find love in a way that really kind of elevates you and makes you feel great at, 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 at doing it. So I guess that's kind of, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> you used to be in the army. And you said about yourself, you developed total fearlessness after a career ending injury. Yes. Let's dive into that a little bit so our listeners can get a little picture of who you are. Yes, exactly. So we'll just do kind of the kind of, you know, to go back in time. Um, so I was coming from kind of a conservative kind of rural area um, in interior America. And I wanted nothing more after college, but to kind of go into national security, serve my country, things along the lines of that. And so when I was in the army, I actually enlisted in the army after college and I was in the military intelligence field. And I had these big dreams of becoming like a Jason Bourne, or we'll call it like a Jasmine Bourne kind of CIA operative, things along the lines of that, and the Army helping me do that. And at the time as well, I had actually married very young. I had married my college sweetheart that I had met when I was living abroad, and we brought him to the United States. And so I thought that my life had just been planned out for me, that I'd, I'd, I'd met my, you know, my college boyfriend, we had brought him over to the United States, and I was on this track to have this incredible career. And that was that was my life. And that's what was going to happen. And it was going to be wonderful. And then kind of like the record going, eh, so that didn't happen because I actually had a pretty nasty spinal injury when I was 24. And long story short, that cut my army career very short because the army can't have people acting like Jason Bourne when they have a spinal injury. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of whole idea that I had planned for years through high school, through college, that this was going to be my life within literally a 15 minute appointment with the neurosurgeon where they're saying your career is over. You can never do this type of work again. All of that vanished. And so I remember at a very young age, I was only 23, 24, trying to figure out what the rest of my life looked like and looking, you know, over 20, you know, almost 25 years later thinking, oh, I was so young and so naive. I didn't know that the best, this was, you know, a great opportunity. And then so a couple of years after that, still kind of reeling from that and reeling from some of the anxiety and the PTSD that came from being a woman in the army, my marriage started to fall apart. So I was really kind of going two for two. My ex-husband and I got married very, very young. I kind of like to joke that being married at, you know, 22 is like being a child bride <laughs> and um, got very, very, very young. We just did not have the tool set or the maturity or the sophistication to address problems that were going on, on in our marriage on both sides. And so we thought, you know, in order for us to not want to kill each other, we are going to need to split. 
And so it was kind of part two, then there I was turning 30, still, you know, years on, I'm like, that's so young. But at that age, then all my other friends are getting married and having these incredible lives. And here I am bawling my eyes out, have had, you know, maybe two bottles of wine. It's two in the morning. My eyes are tired and I'm trying to find how to get over a divorce and not really having any, any kind of, um, amazing advice out there. And so stumbling through kind of jobs that didn't serve me and relationships that didn't serve me for years, we are talking years and years and years, and then deciding to go and kind of explore the world and taking about five months off to do that, thinking that would somehow magically fix my life, only to come back and things still being the same. And so it took a while for me to recognize the common element in all of this drama and all of this, these things that weren't going right in my life for me, it was me. And it wasn't until I got radically honest with myself saying, Martha, you are the element in this that is making dating unsuccessful. You are the element in this that is why you're not able to let go of this divorce. And once I had that radical honesty for myself and really kind of pulled myself up by the bootstrap, so to say, did my life finally start to change? And when that happened, my friends who were a bit older than me were going through divorces themselves. And so they had said, can you kind of give me some advice on this? And that actually then turned into a friend saying, Martha, do you think there's such thing as a divorce coach? And I didn't know. And so did some research and I found out there was a thing as a divorce coach. I went through that certification program with the International Coaching Federation. And that's when my original business as a divorce coach started. And I did that for a couple of years, but then I started working with all these incredible women over 50 who didn't need help with divorce anymore. What they actually needed help with was they wanted to date again and they didn't know how because maybe they, they hadn't dated since like the Clinton administration since the 1990s. They didn't know how to do, they knew online, but they just weren't finding kind of the love or the connections that they wanted. And so parallel to this, I had actually taken time off from dating and I had re-entered the dating scene and lo and behold, I had actually found love again. It had taken me well over a decade after my divorce, but then I found love with an incredible man and I was given a second chance at love. And these things coincided with my incredible clients wanting to learn how to find love and my kind of following my own frameworks to be able to find love and be remarried again and have a healthy, incredible relationship. And so that, I guess, is the origin story to how I became a, a, a dating coach. That was a very kind of long-winded explanation, but yeah, like, we, like, <laughs> have, we have some more questions about that. Oh my so goodness. Okay. Say that again. How many kids do you have, Martha? So I am actually childless by choice. Um, I grew up in a very large family and just kind of seeing some of the struggles that my that my mother went through with, with motherhood, I just knew that that was not a path that, that I wanted to take. Um, and so in addition to that, because of some spinal injuries that I had in the army when I was 22, 23, knowing very early on that kind of a natural childbirth or even a C-section was just not going to be possible for my body. And so, but I do have some fur children, if that, if that counts, I have a 14 year old dog. <laughs> I know, right. You know, the, the uh, women that I serve are empty nester over 50. And I always okay. keep saying, you do not have to be an empty nester to listen to what I, we have to say, or have to offer in the program. Mm-hmm. And it's, it doesn't matter if you're the, the mama of a, of a, animal, a child, or whatever you are, it doesn't matter. We all have our motherly instincts sure. somehow sitting in us. And you know what? It You made the right choice, in my opinion. You put your health first and that's... Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> but I as, assumed, and you should never assume when somebody right. marries at 22, because I was I got married at 24 mm-hmm. and had my son, my, my first, my oldest one at 20, when I was 25. Mm-hmm. And both of my kids were a pure love children. So they were not planned at all. <laughs> they rarely are at that age. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> you know, party, whatever. Life is great. So when are women, or how do you know, what are some signs that you're actually ready for dating? Right. I love this because I wish I could just tell everybody kind of like a simple, oh, you take the years that you have been divorced times the magnitude of divorce times your age and there's a number. And unfortunately, that is not, I I wish I could tell you guys all that, um, but unfortunately, that's not how it works. 
Now, as a dating coach for, coach for the past couple of years, what I see is how do you know the signs that you're ready for dating? So here's number one, one I know. And my clients never like this. Your audience may never like this, but here's, here's what I know to be true. If you can say to yourself, you know what? My life is incredible. And if I am single for the rest of my life and I never find the, the next great love, I'm still going to be okay because I have great friends. I have a great support system. I have a rich, wonderful life of travel and work that makes me fulfilled, fulfilled and hobbies and things like that. Yeah, it would be nice, but I don't necessarily need it. Okay. Being so ingrained in that, that is actually when you know you're ready to date. Because if you are going into a date looking to be fulfilled, if you're 100% dependent or even very dependent on others' kind of validation, external validation for self-worth, you will be looking for the wrong things in a partner. Because what will happen is there are folks out there who know that you're looking for self-worth, who know that you are struggling with low self-esteem, and they are going to be able to manipulate that and take advantage of you for that. And it is not until you feel grounded in yourself, until you feel confident, and until you truly know, I have a lot to bring on the table. This is what I am. I'm willing to learn how to date. I'm willing to be out of my comfort zone. I'm willing to get uncomfortable, as well as I am willing to maybe make some behavioral changes that no longer serve me. Once you have that willingness and the opening openness to make some of those changes, and knowing that you have a great life even without a partner, that counterintuitively is when you are ready to date. Yeah, because I think, and you tapped on this, that's why I wanted to use this segue right into here mm -hmm. is we're feeling, first off, we may feel betrayed depending on what happened. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've been cheated on, um, did your partner walk out on you or whatever happened along those lines? You know, it's, you may have that feeling. You may have a feeling of, like you said, okay, two bottles of wine later, I'm still feeling mm -hmm. sorry for myself. Mm -hmm. uh, some of those things or, or like, oh, I should have done more in this relationship. Why mm -hmm. didn't I do more of this and that? And we would still be together mm -hmm. and mourning the loss of the original relationship that, mm -hmm. that women were in. What do you think? Absolutely. I mean, and here's what I see, Heiko, with with some of my uh, with some of my clients it, who they they are ready to date again. These are these incredible women in their fifties who, they're you know they're boss babes. They're making money. They've got good relationships with their adult children and things along the lines of that. But let's say that they were deeply hurt in their marriage, and so I have a client who married and was a survivor of a narcissistic relationship, and she's been messy divorced. But she has been divorced and on her own and independent for about the past three years. But the dates that she has been on have been with men who are very, who are very, very similar to her ex-husband in many ways. Mm -hmm. And when she does go on dates with good men, that to me, I obviously don't know them, but it sounds like they're good men, we'll kind of do kind of an after after date briefing. And she says, you know what? I noticed that they that they like the same music as my as my ex-husband. So they're gonna be a cheating asshole too. And when that happens, and that's very kind of reductive, but there are some patterns that I see when women do that. What I'd like to offer them as my clients is saying, this new man should not have to like pay, pay for the faults of your ex-husband. And when you have not properly healed and you have not recognized your dating blind spots and your love blind spots, you will continue to do a couple of things. You will continue to find people like that who are actually going to repeat the patterns that weren't healthy in your relationship and, or you are going to continue to punish and kind of, I guess, project or deflect onto other people who you are almost going to make pay the sins of your, the sins of your ex. And that's, that's, that's not fair. And unless you do that healing, that might be kind of a, a sentence that you're giving yourself. That's completely unnecessary. We all need a snack sometimes and it's hard to find a healthy snack that is easy for you to carry with you wherever you go. But you don't have to worry about that anymore because there is Pakli. Pakli is puffed ancient grains in snack format. Each packet of Pakli contains puffed amaranth, quinoa and millet and making this a super nutritious and healthy snack. Pakli is handmade and it comes in four different flavors. 
white chocolate, milk chocolate, 55% bittersweet chocolate with dried blueberries and cocoa nips, and 70% dark chocolate with dried cranberries and cashews. All gluten-free, organic, and all but the white chocolate are soy-free as well. The 55% bittersweet and the 70% extra dark chocolate are vegan. Puckley satisfied the chocolate and sweet tooth without the big empty calories with a unique texture because Puckley is handmade. Puckley is a snack for the entire family. Puckley also makes for a wonderful holiday present for the family, friends, and even the office. The Puckley Holiday Gift Box includes 12 Puckley puffed grain snacks. So no rice, but grain. And it also includes a beautiful handmade textile that is perfect to decorate your holiday table. Support a women-owned local business that is supporting your health this holiday by ordering your own Puckley Holiday Gift Box. Go to PucktleyFoods.com, that is P-A-K-T-L-I-F-O-O-D-S dot com and order your own Puckley holiday gift box and enter the code PURSUEYOURSPARK15, all one word, and get your 15% discount of your next order of Puckley. our upbringing affect some of that dating as well? Absolutely. hundred percent. And something that I see with my clients is regardless of, regardless of where they are or regardless of their background or what brought them to, whether it was being a widow, whether it was the end of a long-term relationship or a divorce, there's something that I actually call the dutiful daughter syndrome that most of us women were raised in a time, and I think it's getting better with Gen Z and things along the lines of that, but anybody I think who is 40 and better was raised in a time where women were conditioned to be people pleasers, and women were always seen as you have to be the good girl. Don't dirty your dress. Get the best grades in school, and that was actually transferred then to how we learned to date. You can't be a bad girl. Frankly, I thought all the bad girls were having way more fun than I was. I'll just, I'll just put that out there. But don't do that, you know, or else you'll be called, you know, the S word. You'll be called, you know, something that rhymes with chore. You'll be, you know, something that, you know, rhymes with witch. Like that's, you know, all those things. And so we had started to receive those messages when we were little. If we grew up in a religious household, and I can certainly, I grew up and I left the Catholic church in my 20s, mm-hmm. but I remember that. There was like that shame-based. And although our parents are trying our best, they are repeating those same patterns and that cyclical generational trauma that is causing that unhealthy programming. And so if we are raised in a household that is religious, or if we are raised in a household where there is that shame, don't be a bad girl, don't bring dishonor into the family, things along the lines of that, don't don't embarrass me. We have that ingrained almost kind of in our DNA. Mm -hmm. And then that causes us to go and find relationships where we're looking for the validation, where we're desperate to have somebody to tell us, oh, you're good, you're desired, you're wanted. Because we've had that all our lives as people pleasers. And until we break those patterns and we break those narratives and we find new ones that are healthier, we could be destined to continue to be unlucky at love and not finding the healthy love that we that we deserve and that we desire. I think a healthy love is a good way to phrase mm-hmm. it. And I like that you coined it that way. It's when, and, and I see that too, that people keep repeating partners and I'm including myself that would have the same trades than the one you just divorced or yeah. that divorced you. However, it doesn't yeah. really matter. Instead of saying, okay, I need to look for something that I really, really want. And that, like you said, that takes work. That takes mm-hmm. personal work from about your history. It takes work about where you are right now, really looking yourself in the face to be honest with yourself. And I'm sure that there are some myths that keep women from successfully dating. Do you know of any? Absolutely. I sure as hell do because I see them with my readers. I see them with the women in my Facebook group and I see them with my clients. And I think all of those myths, and I I can give you a couple, I think a lot of those myths actually come from those unhealthy narratives that, that we're taught. 
So a couple of them that I see on the daily basis, regardless of what brought somebody to being single again, is I'm too old to date. That is kind of the number one. It's, it's, uh, it's too late for me. I'm too old to date. It's too late for me. And so kind of the myth on that is that is not true. I have, you know, I know many women who found love again at 80. I know many women who are actually having the best sex of their lives in their 60s. And so just, I would say kind of anecdotally, I know that's not true. But I think one of the reasons that women think that is because of the very negative messages that we're still hearing in media. Society, although we have these incredible role models, you know, we have my favorite is Helen Mirren. You know, we have incredible women in their 50s like Kamala Harris, or we have, you know, Judy Dench, or we have Kate Blanchett, or just these, you know, we have Viola Davis, or we have all these gorgeous women who are 50 and better. And although we still we have these incredible women that 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 we follow and we admire, there's still this kind of, I think, this erasure in our society that nobody wants to, oh my God, the moment that you have gray hairs, it's like, no, you know, you can't, you can't be hurt because society would rather pay attention to the younger women because it's easier to control the younger women. And I think it's definitely a trend that's changing. I'm an optimist. I'm a militant optimist. But when we receive that messaging that, oh, it's too late for me, I'll never find love. That is something that I would definitely offer women to examine. Are you just saying that? Because that is the societal messaging that you're seeing. And if it is, how do you want to change that narrative for yourself? But also, are you saying that because it's an easy trap to fall into? So then you don't have to do the major behavioral changes in the work on yourself to put yourself out there. So that's the number one one I see. I think one of the other uh, one of the other main ones I see is that, oh, all men just want to date 25 year olds. And this is, this is a big one I see. And I get that from a lot of my clients as well. And I understand that because they were survivors of infidelity. And what happened in their stories, unfortunately, was their ex-boyfriends, their ex-partners, their ex-husbands cheated on them with a younger woman. And so when you are with somebody for so long, and that is all you've known about love, and then you see that happening, it's completely understandable why you would think that. But let me offer this. Actually, before I was a dating coach for women, I, little known fact about me, I actually was a coach for men over 50. And these were men who were, these were just awesome men. You know, they were retired military. They were doctors. They were tech workers. They had great relationships with their kids, you know, with their adult children. They were grandfathers. They, they, you know, they, they were, a lot of them were, a lot of them were widowers. A lot of them had been through a divorce, but they were on good terms with their, with their ex-wives and whatnot. And what they would always tell me, and I, I coached dozens and dozens of these men. What they would always say to me is, I want to date a woman over 50. Because I want somebody that I can go to California with in my RV. I want to date a woman, a woman over 50 because she is independent and she knows what she wants. I want to be with a woman over 50 because frankly, if I was with somebody younger, she would that that woman would remind me too much of my daughter or my granddaughter. And that's just kind of weird. So when we think, yes, admittedly, there are men who are kind of creepy or they want to kind of somehow prolong their their um their their age you know you got like an Elon Musk or you got like a Jerry Seinfeld or people who, who date you know younger younger women but that is honestly that is that is not the case all the time and so again when women say that and when they start falling into that trap i would i would offer them are you saying that because you're just you are molded by this very painful thing that happened to you and what other mindsets that you can have to disprove that but then also it goes back to, are you just saying that so you don't have to do the work on yourself you know, to put yourself out there? That's uh, what I hear a lot too. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in my life, I actually turned it around. I was the cougar who dated the younger guys. Yeah, girl. My husband's younger than me. Like, hell yeah. I'm always dating younger. Absolutely. <laughs> my, my now husband is also three years younger. I'm like, I'm not going down there. But but that is definitely true. And we don't appreciate what we actually have as women, what we bring to the table. The The thing that I believe that many women don't give themselves credit for is how fit they are, mm-hmm. how strong they are. And, and, and if you're listening and you're like, well, I'm not really fit. I mean, I only walk. You qualify too, because fitness 
being fit, exercising, eating healthy shines you more like a diamond because mm-hmm. you'll be healthy from the inside out. You feel confident in your own skin and you can go out in the dating world, not worrying about somebody younger because you got the guts, you got the looks. Yes, you may be a little bit sh- more shriveled. Totally normally you may be gray. I'm like, I'm all for gray because mm-hmm. I'm going gray big time too. And it's it's something that we don't give ourselves credit for, like many other things women don't give give themselves credit for. But I always say, keep exercising, you know, keep your mind fresh, do things that that stimulate your brain and your thinking, your articulation, your travels, that you are becoming an interesting partner for somebody else. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hell yeah. And right now I'm, I'm, I'm in my forties and I'm actually in better shape and better health than I ever was, you know, even, even when I was in the army and I, you know, I work with so many women and I've, you know, been on some podcasts and whatnot. And I'm obsessed with a lot of these kind of the the midlife things, because there are women in their fifties and sixties that are in better shape than a lot of 20 year olds I see. And so it is definitely, you don't have to be an Olympic athlete to feel good. It's just movement. What is it that is bringing you joy? Is it, is it going on a short hike? Is it doing Pilates? Is it doing, is it, is it working out your, is it working out yourself? Is it lifting weights? It doesn't matter. As long as you're doing something, you're going to feel great. And so I a hundred percent, I, I see that with older women and I, I absolutely love that. But it does come down to a mindset. And I was actually talking to a client the other day that she says, well, I don't have a social life and I want to get out and meet people. I don't, and I hear this all the time from women as a, as a dating coach that I don't want to online date, but I don't go out a lot. Yeah. So we can, yeah, it was a meld here that I don't want to online date, but I'm not, but I really want a social life, but I don't have one. What do I do? And to me, it's just so obvious that it's like, well, you need to get, get the hell out of your house because the love of your life is not going to wait for you while you're watching Netflix. The only time somebody has knocked on the door for somebody who's waiting at home is a horror movie or like a porno. And if your life is neither one of those, you need to get out. And so what I love to tell people is that if you are kind of looking to looking to be social again, don't just go and go online and try to find somebody who's who's in their 50s. You're only bound for disappointment. Exactly what you said, Heika, that do things that are interesting to you. So what I love to what I love to share with 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 women at midlife and beyond is that I, if you're like, well, I feel overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. I'm just going to work and I'm coming home and I'm going to the grocery store and I'm seeing my grandkids. What do I do? And here's a couple of kind of guidance, guiding, guiding points I love to share is that think of things that, that you love to do that you're not doing. You know, if you love to go ice skating in the winter, go hire a tutor to do that. You know, or if you love to go bowling, go bowling, you know, why are you, why are you postponing that joy? And something I also like to offer is if there is something that you loved doing when you were younger that you had to put on the shelf because you, your parents said that they didn't have money to give you karate lessons anymore. That actually might've been my thing. Or I have a client who loved taking jazz piano when she was little and her parents said, you can't take it anymore because you have to take care of your siblings. What are things that you loved doing even when you were younger, before you were married or when you were in high school that, and we all have that. If we listen to our guts or if we hear it in our hearts, it's going to whisper, but you have to listen to it and start pursuing that again. If you loved writing poetry, angsty poetry when you were 14, there is an online writing class or there is a writing class in your neighborhood at your community college where you can pursue that again. So to get out and about and be social, you have to start with doing things that give you joy and sticking with that. You know, Martha, what I think, what I sometimes hear is, oh, if I go to this, let's say the writing class, I hear uh, there's just only women. There's Mm -hmm. no men to meet. But what I have to say to this is that woman that you meet may have a friend that's single, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. don't exclude when it's just women or a women hiking, hiking group. Everybody knows somebody, a neighbor or whatever. Mm -hmm. And there may be love right there, Martha, right? Right. Absolutely. And that's the thing in the dating, in the dating world, we call that your loose connections and your loose connections are the ones who are going to introduce you to the next love of your life or the, the next great people that you date. Because here's the thing, 
if you want to date and you don't want to do online, that is completely okay. And honestly, as a dating coach, I'm actually against online dating. I don't think we need it, but that's, you know, that's all, that's a, that's a, that's a whole other topic. But if you say that, if you have told your, your family members or your close friends or your coworkers, I'm, Hey, I'm single and ready to mingle. They may not know anybody. They may not know anybody for you, or they may not want to introduce you because then if the date doesn't go well, that might strain the relationship between you and that person. However, if you go to that yoga class and you become friends, really good friends with someone, they have a, they have a cousin, they have a brother who's recently divorced or what I, I actually, I actually, this happened to me a, a while ago. Um, when I was still dating, I was at a Pilates class and I made friends with a really great guy who's gay, but that guy had a friend that he worked with in the secret service who was not gay. And we had actually hit it off there and went on a couple of dates with this very nice guy. And so it is those loose connections, but you're not going to find that hiding behind your smartphone or hiding behind your computer. You're not going to find that sitting and watching Bridgerton. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Bridgerton, but <laughs> none of those guys, uh, Reggie, um, the, uh, the, any of those hot guys, I can't remember their names. They're not going to leap out of the computer to come get you, but you will find those connections. And you know what? Even if you go out, don't ever think of this as, because I had a client go out to a civil war talk and she said, well, I didn't find any eligible men. They were all in their eighties or they were all married. And I said, well, hold on. Do you even like the civil war? She's like, no, it's boring. But I thought that's where all the good men were. I said, no, you need to go do something you love. So what did she love that she hadn't done since she was married? She took a watercolor class. She took a watercolor class on the Chesapeake and she made a really good friend there. And that really good friend had a younger brother who was about her age. Now, they went on a couple dates, didn't work out, but what that did was that gave my client the confidence to go out, the confidence to go out there and explore and make those connections. That mm -hmm. is vital to dating a midlife. You know, I think you made a good point right there. It's like, um, it's not a mistake or a common mistake that women make, but also want to talk about that is what, when we're going on a date, the expectations are so high that this is going to be the next Mr. Husband. Mm -hmm. Instead, what I always think about is, okay, if it's not the next Mr. Husband, I'm having a blast going out mm -hmm. with this person, doing whatever we're doing for as long as we're doing, and then we're all just move along. And that's the end of that. What do you think? I mean, what are some mm -hmm. of those mistakes? And I think that's definitely a mistake somebody makes, these high expectations about the Absolutely. Date. Absolutely. And I call it kind of like an all or nothing mentality. And so- Back when we were in college or back when we were younger and we would go out with our friends, we didn't have any expectation that we were going to go meet the man of our dreams. What did we do with our friends? We just wanted to maybe get a little bit drunk and we wanted to go have a good time and we wanted to listen to some music and we just wanted to bond with our girlfriends or whatnot. We can adopt that mentality and that model, but in a more kind of evolved, sophisticated manner now that we're at midlife. And so kind of the advice that I love to share with people is do not go on a date thinking, is this going to be my next boyfriend? Is this going to be my next husband? Because what that does is that is instilling scarcity and desperation into your, into your whole kind of mindset. And guess what? People aren't dumb. People are going to pick up on that energy. Think about when you go to a store. You go to a store. Do you want the salesperson who's like, do you want to buy this? Do you want to try this on? Do you want to do this? No. You want somebody who says, hey, I'm here. Let me know if you need anything. I'm here if you have any questions. And you feel like that's a better shopping experience. Going on a date is the same exact kind of mentality. That if you have that mindset, you know what? I just want to, I want to meet somebody. And I, this might not be my next husband, but here's what it's going to do. It's going to help me practice those socialization skills and those talking skills and asking questions and listening and knowing what my boundaries are. And face it, over the past two years of COVID, we lost a lot of that, even the most sociable people. But if you are on a date, think of it always as a couple of things. This is an opportunity for, to, for me to meet somebody new. And who doesn't want to meet somebody new? It's great. And this is an opportunity for me to possibly have a great conversation. And then, you know what, afterwards, if you don't, what do we do? Well, you say, hey, what did I learn from that? What can I do better? Or what did I actually like about that? Well, I like talking with this person about his job. It seemed interesting. But what I didn't like was when this person never asked me a question. So what does that mean for me in the future? I have the permission and the responsibility to kind of jump in 
and say, well, hey, that reminds me of this one thing. And so when we view it as just meeting new people and a chance for us, guess what? We can make it about us to practice our social skills, which a lot of us haven't had, then you can actually enter a date and have a better energy and actually have more fun. And that's all dating should actually be. And honestly, the purpose of the first date is to see if you want to go on a second or third date. The purpose is not to denote what, what your value is as a person. Like a it's job interview. People. So exactly. what do you want to do? How do you want to do this? How do you want to do the finances? Da, 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 da. <laughs> right. That is just, that's not fun for anybody. And I'm, and I think you and I are both in the Washington DC area. Right. And so that is kind of, that is kind of a default that people fall into, not just here, but in, in most places, because that's what we're comfortable with. Is that one of my, one of my clients, she's out in California. She went on a date and I said, well, how did it go? And she said, well, you know what? We talked a lot about our work, a lot about our work. And I said, okay, well, did you, do you want to see this person again? And she said, well, well, no, because he didn't ask me about my life. And I said, well, you know, were you interested with his work? Did you get any ideas that maybe you could share? She said, well, yeah, you know, I kind of did because he's doing X, Y, Z. So I said, okay, well then go on another date with him and make the time then to be like, you know what? I'm a little bit tired of work. Let's kind of talk about where you're going on vacation next year, but you don't know, fall into that trap. And we do that because it's safe for us. <laughs> it is. And I, my typical answer, since we're Washington DC peeps, the first thing in DC, when you need somebody new, they say, what do you do? Oh God, I hate that so much. Yep. And my answer usually is, oh, I like to ski. I like to run. What about you? Mm-hmm. And then, or whatever comes to mind. And they just kind of look at me and they're like, no, I mean, for work, I'm like, mm-hmm. fun. I'm not talking about work. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, we're just not, we're nipping this in the bud right now because we're not here making connections to the hill or, or God knows. Right. What. Right. And so and I think, and it, especially in DC, but I see this in, in all aspects because one of my clients, she is a realtor in the South. And when she was trying to get comfortable going out by herself, her default was always, oh yeah, I'm going to go to my favorite wine bar, but I'm going to give everybody my business card. And she says, because that's kind of, and we realized that this was a mask that she was hiding behind. And so instead think, well, I know that you're this interesting, incredible person. I know you beyond your job. What are some things that you could lead with instead? And she says, well, I really love to play tennis. And so then, okay, you go to a bar and you see that there's a sports channel on. Don't be afraid to say, hey, you know, I know that there's this football game on, but did you guys watch, you know, the um, the city, you know, the city open or hey, is anybody a tennis fan in here or just make any kind of con- any any kind of random comment that has nothing to do with work and see where it goes. And I love to kind of ask people when I'm meeting people or especially when I was dating, not what do you do? Because I don't give a shit about what you do. I know what you're doing in D.C. You're either a lawyer, you work as a contractor, as a defense contractor, any of those things. I'm bored by that. But I love to kind of ask Hey, you know, my favorite kind of default, because I am such a traveler and I'm obsessed with travel is, Hey, uh, where are you guys going? Where are you going on vacation, uh, this, this year, or what are, what are your plans for the summer? Or what are you, what are you doing over Thanksgiving? Um, I love to kind of lead with that, but just, we all got to get out of that work thing and we all hide behind it because we put so much of our identity in our job. And I see that with a lot of women 50 and better is we cling to that because it's what it's made us successful but you can be successful in other areas as well. So Martha, how do you prepare for a date then? Well, I think there's a, I think there's a a couple of ways to prepare for a date. So I think, and we kind of spoke about this a little bit earlier is it's that mindset that I am on this date to have a great conversation and to, to exercise my, my, my skills. So that's how I prepare for a date. If I'm going to a restaurant or if I'm meeting somebody at a restaurant, if I'm having a client meet them at a wine bar or whatnot, I encourage them to be that nerd who looks at the menu and get excited about the menu. Because you know what? Even if the date doesn't go well, you at least had this excellent glass of wine or you tried this fried cauliflower dish. And then in addition to that, if you aren't kind of nervous, what I would do is make sure you get a great workout in that day. So all that adrenaline or all that nervousness is out. And then this might be a little bit tongue in cheek, but I also say masturbate before you go. Because then any of that kind of like nervousness, or if you're kind of feeling a certain way and you haven't been intimate with somebody and you're worried that, oh, maybe I'm going to go home with this person because it's been a while and you might, you know, do something that maybe you're not ready to, all of those nerves, all of those things, calm your nerves, masturbate before you go. So those are, those are, (laughs) yes, exactly. And then tell a friend, 
tell tell your an adult daughter or whatnot tell somebody where you're going okay yeah that's that's always uh was very important when i was dating um and i wasn't sure about the date and my my daughter would say okay uh half an hour into it i text you Mm -hmm. and i'm like and then you can say oh i gotta go i have an emergency or you can text back oh cool text me in a half an hour again just to be sure Mm -hmm. and this is where we're going that's a good idea because you never, if you, you never can be too safe. And what I would always do is I would do like in 45 minutes into the date, I'd excuse myself and go to the restroom. And then I would give my, 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 my friend or my girlfriends an update. Yeah. Hey, it's going well. Let me text you in 45 minutes. Yeah. And so anything that is going to make you feel secure and that is the best thing. Anything that's going to make you feel secure, empowered, relaxed and just going in with that great mentality. So that's definitely how I, how I prepare for a date and how I, um, I love to kind of advise my clients into preparing for a date. So you teach the Lionheart method. Yes. You want to share a little bit about the Lionheart method? Just a couple of touch. Yeah, just, just a couple of things. And honestly, the Lionheart method that I used to teach as a divorce recovery coach, that has actually been transitioned and kind of like a version 2.0 to the dating DNA framework. And so they actually, there is a lot of overlap, but with the dating DNA framework, what we actually kind of, what we discuss are a couple of things that if you want to find love again, and you're curious to do that, there's kind of three components of the dating DNA framework that, that I love to kind of share with folks. The first one is you have to know and recognize and get very clear on your dating blind spots. Now, if you are making the same mistakes over and over again with dating, if you have a certain type and that type is always breaking your heart or is always cheating on you or anything like that, or if there are definitely kind of things of self-sabotage that you're doing that you don't even know you're doing uh, consciously, what we do with that is we get very clear on those. We uncover all of those things and we do it in actually a very quick manner. And so that is the first part is you get very clear on all what your blind spot spots are so you can reverse them and you can be aware of them and you can build up what I like to call instead kind of like the dating binoculars that you know exactly what you're looking for. So then after that, so I call that kind of the dating blind spots. And then I call the next step of the, the dating DNA framework, total confidence. Now, I think we as women, especially women of a certain age, we never really were taught the healthy things to look for in a man. And I know my standards growing up weren't great. It was just, oh, if a man likes you back, that is a lot of the stuff or if a man gives you attention. And then when I was trying to figure out my way in my twenties and thirties, a lot of it was if he's taller than me, still important, I'm 5'10". So, you know, I, that's something I like, but I was also looking at really stupid stuff. Like I want him to drive a sexy car or I want him to I want him to, you know, be interested in crypto or just stupid stuff that we think is important and it really isn't. So with the second step of the dating DNA framework with the total confidence, it's we get really clear on what your standards are and being the healthy standards, the standards that are actually going to attract secure love. Those are how do you want to feel? What are the real wants versus needs versus nice to haves? What are your true non-negotiables? Being very grounded in all of that stuff is what's going to help you have a very strong dating DNA framework to find and attract the right kind of love for you. Now, the third part of the dating DNA framework, the final part, which is a part that I love, I call that connection, get out and play. And with that, what I do with my clients that I like to discuss and we figure out is, What is the most natural, fun, effortless way for them to make connections with people and to attract great partners that has nothing to do with online dating apps? And so that is a part that can be a little bit uncomfortable. And you and I had already talked about that a little bit, Heike, that what are the things that you want to pursue now that you have the time? And really kind of utilizing and knowing and really kind of mastering that concept of loose connections, making for the best kind of prospects for dating. And so that is the dating DNA framework in a nutshell. Obviously, you know, working together, we would go a lot deeper, but it is number one, recognizing and reversing your dating blind spots. Number two, getting absolutely confident on the things that truly matter in a partner. And then that total connection of how to find them in an effortless, fun way, no online dating apps required. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I know this, these online dating apps are so tempting because you can, again, hide behind a screen and you don't know. And I used to have a client who would always self-proclaim self bad boys I'm over and over. And I'm like, why yeah. don't you find, find yourself something better? You deserve better than the bad boy. Oh, but they're so sexy and whatnot and I was like it is exactly what you said she didn't have a clear what do I actually want in from a guy from a from somebody that I'm going to marry so Martha these are really great insights on dating for women over 40 50 and 60 and beyond that anybody can start but how can my listeners connect with you absolutely so we've got two ways um I have recently opened a really fun Facebook group. It's completely free. It's completely private and confidential. So if your readers actually want to navigate over to Empowered Dating for Women, it's a free Facebook group for women at midlife and beyond. And it's a little bit of a party in there. We're doing trainings every week, free trainings every week. We are having the tough conversations. We are, we are, we are posting about different advice and different things like that. So that's probably the easiest and best way to get that kind of dating advice that they crave. In addition to that, if any of the ladies are on Instagram, you can find me at Martha Bodyfelt. Lots of good reels, lots of good stories, lots of good advice for women who want to date at midlife and beyond. And then you can actually head over to my website, which is actually under construction because I am pivoting. And that's just MarthaBodyfelt.com. And again, they can find lots of great free blog posts, as well as further information on how to follow me and learn a little bit more about the work I do. Perfect. And we put all, all the links as always in the show notes. So do not worry, you will not be st left stranded because you didn't write it down right this instance. So I want to encourage you, as I always do, to reach out and respond to the episodes that we are sending your way, the thoughts we're sending your way, the action steps that we're sending your way. And we want you to take action. Reach out to us on social. You got Martha's handle. Mine, as always, it's Heike Yates or Heike Yates Pursue Your Spark on Facebook and Heike Yates on Instagram. And now also I'm over on TikTok if you're hanging out over there. So let us know what you thought. What help do you need? What do you need color clarification with? So we can reach out directly there from our handles to you and respond and Martha is tagged in all the posts and she's tagging me. So the more the merrier, the bigger the party, uh, we can help each other out also with things that we experienced ourselves through dating because women love to share and we have some stories to tell, right, Martha? Absolutely. Come on over. We'd love to dish. <laughs> so thanks so much for being here, everybody. Thank you, Martha. And with that, uh, have a most awesome day and we're out of here. And I'll see you next time on the Pursue Your Spark podcast. Ciao.